You can shake a few hands before you're seated. Don't sit too fast. Shake a couple hands and just say, it's good to see you this morning. We should never, uh, uh, we should never, um, uh, 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 we should, <laughs> we should always take advantage of the opportunities to come together and pray. Man, there is power in the prayer of unity. Amen. When two or three agree concerning anything, it can be done. I, I want to honor a few people. I, I, I want to honor a few people. Thank you. If you're new to Lincoln City Church, we want to welcome you. I'm so glad you came and visited us this morning. I also want to welcome Howard and Sharon over there. They came, you know. Yeah. I know they're here this week, but they'll be back with us this summer for a little bit. So you'll see them more and more. All right. So I want us to get to our Bibles. The book of Acts is where we are reading from. Started a new series last week called Next. Everybody say next. All right. And and you know, um, and, and the whole idea behind it is this. You know, after Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, Easter, we make a lot of glamour. We, uh, and we put a lot of effort. Uh, churches do a lot, of an, uh, a lot of stuff, spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time, a lot of energy doing something on Easter Sunday. And we do something incredible, something glorious. And here's the fact, he says, that the Sunday after Easter becomes the worst attended service in all of America. Now, now that's bad. I know Jesus said it's finished. In other words, the devil's finished. But the church began after the resurrection. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to walk through the book of Acts. And there's some phenomenal messages that God has for you and me. There's some truth that we see of what happened to the disciples of Jesus after Jesus was raised up to life. And what happened? One of the most incredible things when you read the book of Acts is that you see that God used not extraordinary people, not prophets, not people that were called and who are absolutely phenomenal. God used ordinary people to change the world. God used neighbors and communities, educated and uneducated people, wealthy and poor people, strong and weak people, little and old people. And God used ordinary folks to do extraordinary things and the world was turned upside down because ordinary people believe the word of the Lord. Amen. Are there any ordinary people in this house? God used, he, he released an anointing on people because that was the difference maker. It's not who you are, what family you came from, what your history is. It's the power of God over your life. It changes everything. It's a difference maker. And so what we're doing in this next series, you will find things that will inspire you. I, I tr- uh, trust me, if you receive the word of God by faith, it will be able to change your life. Things that will inspire you to do greater things that you've never imagined will be possible in your hands. I believe that things that would also inspire us as a church to see our, uh, our, our city transformed by the power of God. How many, uh, can I get an amen on that? I'm believing on that, that our city can be called the city of God. So last week, just to give you a little snapshot, we talked about, uh, our first uh, lesson was about keeping hope alive. You see, Jesus was resurrected, and for 40 days after his resurrection, he walked the planet, he walked the earth with all his disciples, he taught them about the kingdom of God, and, and, and in that whole time, he inspired them to keep hope alive. Because there's something you don't want to ever lose in your life, is something called hope. 
No matter how dark your world gets, or no matter how good things get, it doesn't matter at all times. You always want to keep hope alive. And so, so he took that moment, and they, we looked at three things. One is that he, he, the reason why they, the, the disciples were able to keep alive, even though they went through a roller coaster of emotion, I'm trying to summarize this very quick. And for those of you that are wondering, this is fifth Sunday, which is, we call it family Sunday. And so some of the older kids get to be in the service with us. That's awesome. And all the kids did a great job during worship. Uh, well, come on, give these parents a hand. They're doing a great job. All you parents, you're doing a great job. It's a, you know, um, uh, kids are kids, but you're doing a great job. Keep serving God. Keep getting your kids in the house of the Lord. Let them know the Lord. Let them know, know the things of God. So this is awesome. So anyway, so first, they, they, they kept hope alive by leaning on the promises of God. God was giving them promise. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until the promise come. Okay? When we lean, learn to lean on the promises of God, not our own things, but leaning on what God has said, you know, that keeps hope alive. I might be feeling really sick right now. I might be as sick as a dog. But I keep hope alive I'm not going to die because the Lord's promise is that He will help me. He will make me whole. Can I get an amen? I can be broke in the bank. My bank account might be, has very little money or no money at all. But I know that he says that he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so I can keep hope alive. I might not be in the job that I, I, I feel like I'm qualified for, but I know he makes ways for me that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. I know he's leading me. He's leading me to the path of righteousness. He said that I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Maybe you have a lot of people that don't want you to succeed, but God wants you to succeed. Can I get an amen? Then it goes on to the second thing we talked about. It's like I'm re-preaching the message, right? But you talked about patience. Because waiting is not something that we like to do, especially in this day and age. Oh, my goodness. If I pulled one of those summons that Peter pulled in, one, in the book of Acts later, the church will be empty. Because he, he pulled an all-nighter on the church. And he just kept preaching, kept preaching, kept preaching, kept preaching. A little kid, a, a kid sitting, on the, uh, out of, um, uh, 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 sitting on the window there fell off because it was so long. The summons was so long. You think I'm a long preacher. Try Peter, my friends. I think. But we don't like to wait. But here's the thing is that waiting when it comes to God. Okay, you can wait. Sometimes some, we wait unnecessarily. But waiting on God is a good thing. Because sometimes the seasons that are of waiting, in fact, all the time, God uses and makes us even better. Sometimes we want something so bad. We want it now. We not, I want it yesterday. And I still don't have it today. And, and you go through the process of life, and we've all probably experienced things like that, where you wanted something so bad at the moment, and you can't believe why you wouldn't get the break and get the thing you want. And then down through the line, down through maybe months, maybe through years, you look back and you're like, I sure thank God I never got what I wanted five years ago. Maybe a relationship. You're like looking at that person on Instagram, on Facebook, you're saying, God... You helped me dodge a bullet. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Don't get all holy here. And so God takes us through that process of waiting because he's preparing us. He has a better plan for our lives than even we have for ourselves. And that takes a thing called trust. And the last one, which I had you wait for, is the power. 
So uh, Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read a long passage again. I like to read long passages of scriptures even if we don't look at everything. everything every time we open the, the word of God, I believe something happened because this word is powerful. Amen. I release an anointing is being released whenever we open the word. So in verse 8 it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, there are some things in our lives or things that we want to accomplish, we want to do, that actually take more than what we can do on ourselves. Let me repeat that again, maybe in a different way. There are times in your life you're like, oh man, I'm going to change. How many ever said that? I'm going to work harder. I remember talking to a kid that was doing something over and over again, the wrong thing. And, and I said, well, what, what, what are you going to do different this time? And I said, well, I'm going to try harder. Well, I thought that's what you told me last time. You're going to try harder. And what I was trying to get the kid to realize is that, hey, trying harder is not necessarily always the answer. Sometimes it is. Um, and God recognizes our weakness and he says, hey, what I'm calling you to do, what I have for your life is bigger than you can do just by human effort. And that's why I'm going to send you a helper who in the moment's time when you need it, will help you in ways that you could have never done on yourself. You will stand before people that are intimidating, but I'll give you the words for you to speak. You will stand before places where you're persecuted, but I'll get an escape for you. You'll find yourself in situations where there is no way, but I have sent you a helper. And we'll talk about the helper more and more next week. It's going to be great. But this morning, I want us to continue on to read, starting in verse 12. So they are talking about, uh, um, so here um, the disciples go. Uh, Jesus is already in heaven, and, uh, and he's giving them the standing orders. And this is the apostles return to Jerusalem, verse 12, from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house uh, that they were staying. Here are the names of those who are present. It says Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, and he kind of James, uh, James, son of uh, Aphias, Simon the Zealot, he was, uh, uh, and Judah, son of James. Then they all met together and they were constantly united in what? Come on, united in what? They were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, uh, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scripture had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This, is, this was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us, and he shared in the ministry with us. Judas had brought a field with the money received for his trickery. You know, Judas had sold out Jesus, you know, that for, for those that maybe may not be familiar with the story. And he disowned Jesus by, by getting bribed and took a few, a little money from some people. And he, he pointed out Jesus and the people that ended up killing Jesus. And he says that Judas are falling ahead fast there. His body split open, spilling out. All his intestines, oh man, oh, it's raided something else. The news of his death spread in all the people of Jerusalem. And they gave the place the Aramaic name Akalmada, which means field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, Let his home become desolate, with no one living in it. 
it also says, let someone else take his position. Verse 20, which I don't have on the screen there, it says, so now we must choose and replace a replacement for Judas for among the men who were with us the entire time uh, traveling along with Jesus. Now, I end there. Now, as I read that passage, there are a few things that I, that I, I, I see there. In fact, I want to just take, uh, draw your attention to verse 13. It says, here are the names of those who are present. Now, it's kind of interesting. He kind of lists the names of the people there. Uh, and there was 11 of the apostles there. There were two Judases. There were two P, uh, uh, Simons. There were two James. So that's why they kind of want to clarify which Judas he was. Judas Iscariot is the one. And so, and then, one of the things that is very interesting with the Bible is this. You see throughout the scripture from the beginning is that there's such attention to the individual. Because they could have just said that all the disciples except Judas was there, were there, right? But the Lord made sure that all of them are listed. And you, just in case you missed, there was a mistake, I want to clarify, this James was there, the other Judas was there, and the point that I want to make to you this morning is this, is that why that attention is because God has every person matters to God. Every individual matters to God. Every person in here matters to God. And even Judas mattered to God. We we'll look at Judas and think, man, why would he do something like that? Why would he betray Jesus? Jesus did nothing but love them. He did nothing but gave him everything they needed. What an awesome ministry to be a part of. The greatest ministry that the world has ever seen was Jesus' ministry. And he was appointed to be part of it. And I'm thinking, was God like dumbfounded? Oh my gosh, I had no idea one of the disciples I selected was a thief. Shoot, I had, had I known this, I would have changed my mind. I would have picked someone else. All the while, he's going through the ministry with Jesus, stealing money from the ministry, helping himself. He has an issue. He had an issue with money. He had an issue with, uh, and, 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 and using it wrongly. And that's why he was bought with money. And all this time, three and a half years, he's part of the ministry that Jesus is heading. The one that could read minds, the one that knew everything, had a thief on the table. Why didn't God just get rid of him and get someone with integrity there? Someone that would not give a bad name to the ministry. We want people that are proper, that are would not show up on CNN and think, boy, look at those Christians. They're a bunch of hypocrites. We want someone more honorable. And Jesus knew all the while that Judas was a thief. And that Judas, in fact, Peter is saying, this was even predicted before our time. King David was prophesying, not knowing what he's doing. He's prophesying of the future. And this actually got fulfilled. And that's always uh, puzzled me with the story, and I tried to get the meaning of it uh, and why God would actually keep him. And there lies how God actually deals with us. Because truth be told, we all are sinners, and we're not 
better off than Judas. But God's grace, because we all matter, God's grace is more powerful than us. And I will, I will make that emphasis on the next point. Now, we, we, I believe that every person in here, young and old, rich and poor, any pers- every person in here matters to God. Your name counts. You're not just a number. It's not just one of the twelve. Your name counts. And it counts for something. God has his big divine purpose. He's saying, I'm building my church. And I'm building with these guys. I'm going to start a foundation. These are the guys that I'm going to equip. And the thing that I'm building, he says, Jesus is saying, the church that I'm building, even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And I want regular people to be a part of it. I'm going to call fishermen. I'm going to call tax collectors. I'm going to call doctors. I'm going to call ordinary Joes. And I'm going to create a unique group of people and I'm going to show you how God can take just something ordinary infused with the power of God and I tell you, change the world upside down. He's still doing it, folks. He's still doing it. You have a treasure in you if you know Jesus Christ. The treasure is the Holy Spirit who guides you, who teaches you, who helps you. And he's the one that empowers you to do the will of God. You're on this earth to fulfill something. And, and the enemy, our enemy, has continued to be our enemy. He wants to frustrate that. He wants us to doubt that. He wants us to disqualify ourselves even before we start. Nothing breaks my heart more than when, I talk, when, you, when you find like a, a young person, teenager, 13 years old, 15 years old, that feel like their life is over. They're so stressed out, and they feel like, my life is over. Where does that come from? They have the whole world. They literally can start over and still be the greatest that they can be. You can still start over at 30. You can still start over at 40. You can start over at 60, may I say. You can start over at 70. And have your latter days be better than your former days. You give anything to God and God will use it. Went to Moses. When Moses was going to the Red Sea, God was giving Moses his mission and his vision for his life. Moses was looking at all these possibilities, all these imp- impossibilities. And saying, God, I can't speak. I can't do what? I, that, I, that, that, he had all the list of the reasons why he was not the right person to be used by God. And God says, what do you have in your hand? Because God never asks you to use what you don't have. He'll only ask you to use what you do have. So when you're feeling that urge, it's like I gotta do more for God. I need to grow. I need. To... Don't look out too far. Look what God's given you. Oh well, when I win the lottery, I'm gonna be really a giver. You're right. You forget your people's next, your next door's name or whatever. You forget your family's name. If I have five bucks and I cannot be generous with five bucks, I will never be generous with five thousand bucks. When you're faithful with the little, you'll be entrusted with a lot. 
Second thing I want to kind of share here is that God's grace, which I kind of planted a seed for, God's grace never ends. Verse 17 says, Judas was one of us. See, I'm taking Judas' life here. I'm, I'm preaching about Judas because uh, I don't know, many times it's always negative, but I want to I wanna just learn a couple of things that we can pick up from his life. Peter says that Judas was one of us and he shared in the ministry with us. This is the most amazing thing. It's actually fascinated me about God's grace. Is that all this time, Jesus was patient with Judas. He was waiting for Judas to turn the corner. Which my third, my third point would be, which I don't have points over there. I'm just using the points for us to remember, okay? They mean nothing scripturally. Can I get an amen? Don't make a doctrine out of my points because they are not doctrine. It's just for us to remember, okay? All this time, he's a thief. This lady comes in, generously gives Jesus this expensive perfume uh, in, a, in a lavish kind of way, breaks it open, washes Jesus' feet with an expensive perfume, wipes his feet with her hair, and they're thinking, this is crazy. And Judah is thinking, wow. All that money. And he goes, you know, Lord, have you considered that that money that that lady wasted here? We could have helped the poor. It's like, how compassionate, how loving. All the while he was stealing this money. But he has to kind of baptize it in Christianese to make it a little bit more holy. We could have helped the poor with it. And Jesus says, no, let me tell you this. The poor you will always have with you. Always. But Jesus knew. But Jesus, is, Jesus was giving me another opportunity to respond, to repent, to be restored. Because had Jesus sent him off, that would have diminished his opportunity for being restored. So Jesus kept him close. See, God's always keeping us close. We mess up all the time. Oh, no, I know some of you are holy and righteous. Never sinned since the day you were born. But you know that's not the truth. But God is very gracious with us. He knows everything that is to know about us. And yet he says, I trust you. He says, I have good plans for you. Let me tell you the thoughts I have concerning you. The thoughts I have for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future, to give you a hope. He's saying that to people that he knows mess up time and time and time and time again. And he keeps us. Say, come on. You can do it. He believes in you. He believes in us. Get on the right path. And he is patient with us. He's long-suffering. You know, the world's not patient at all. It always amazes me when you get on the wrong corner in the popular world. Always so sad when I see someone fail. Maybe they say the statement that the media just captured. They say, wow, or, or, or you failed in your job one time, or you failed, especially those that are in public forum. This whole thing with the airline thing, you're like, wow. You don't know the full story, but uh, man, they, got, they messed up. What well, they need to be. We are ruthless to people that fail. And yet we are seen as ourselves. That's why I just am so thankful. Well, I'm not God. 
and none of you are. They punish people so bad. I read about a teacher that had served uh, for 46 years and uh, did something. And I don't know the whole story, but you just read this story and you feel bad for the lady. Uh, in the news, it's like, uh, served for 40 years, taught people, uh, impacted so many children. And they um, uh, had some, did something that was out of line and it wasn't really. <laughs> it's just that some people wanted to get her in administration. And the reassigned her of, um, she was trying to help a family that was, didn't have a car and started raising money in the class to try and help the family out. And she got reprimanded for that and uh, reassigned her and she resigned. It's like, wow, how ruthless to forget all that. Now, I, and I'm saying all this because we cannot judge people the way the world judges people. We need to have God help us judge people the way God judges people. In Lamentations, he says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God help us to be gracious to those that are struggling. Because God, you've been gracious to us. What you give to others will come back to you. You give grace to people. You don't have to expose people. You don't have to judge people. You can be an encourager. And that doesn't mean that he agrees. God never agreed with the theft. God never agreed. God never wanted Judas to stay in the state that he was in. God wanted Judas to change. And that's why he gave him grace, gave him more time. So that he could change and be restored. Peter messed up. We talked about that. He denied Jesus three times. And guess what? He repented. And he is the one that God was using to actually be a voice for the church. All of us at any given moment can come to God. Because his mercies are new. April 30th, 2017. New mercies. Forget yesterday. Today he's got new mercies in our lives. And giving us another opportunity to serve him. And the last thought is, and this is what kind of, I'm zeroing in on Judas. And I'm going to share a couple of thoughts here. The last thing is, there's this thing called my will and God's will. So the place of blessing is when, because God created us in his own image. He gave us a will. He gave us a free will. And this is how secure God is. Because he could have completely programmed us to act according to what he wants us to do. And then there will be a perfect world with no mistakes whatsoever. And everything will be in order. How many would like to live in such a society? Degraded community of perfect people. All the lawns look good. Oh, come on. Can I get an amen? We like good lawns. But a world of perfect people programmed by God to do exactly what's right. And we'll never sin because it's not even in our DNA too. But there's something, there's a word that gets tossed around, sometimes misused, sometimes not used properly. And it's a word called love. 
there wouldn't be such a thing called love if that would be the case. Because love is a choice. He could program us, but we'll never serve him because we love him. We'll serve him because we must. See what I'm going? And that's why Judas was still. And God will never, hear me, God will never take that gift away from you. You will always, he will always respect your will. That's why we have to choose. See, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world involving everyone. Right now, 7 billion people breathing and those that have gone before us. God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, singular, one individual, one every person matters, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we have to make that choice, that deliberate choice. Yes, God I choose to believe in you. Things might be changing in my generation. People might be walking away from your word, but I'm choosing to trust in you. I may not understand what's going on with my life, but I trust that you are sovereign and that you're a good God. You mean your plans for me are good, and I'm going to choose to trust in you. Through my good times, I will trust in you. In my bad times, I will still trust in you choice and will never take that and so judah so there was a conflict here going on god has a tremendous will and tremendous plan when he called these 12 he wanted all of them to be a part of what he was building including judas he wasn't set out to be the betrayer no he was set out to succeed god wants us to succeed God wants us to do, fulfill our, our dream, to fulfill his dream for our lives. Let me correct that. He wants to use you. But again, his will and my will must coincide. And that's the place where his will and my will meet. That's the place of blessing. When my prayer is according to his will, that's when things happen. And there are times that you will find in your life where God's will... And my will are not the same. That's when faith comes. Because I submit my will to the will of the sovereign Lord. Trusting that he cares for me. That was the first lesson for Adam and Eve. So the New Testament phenomenon. God put them in a perfect world. The ideal world that we are all looking for. And he says, here's the tree of life. Here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's so many trees you can eat from every tree that you see in the garden. It's all yours. Go have fun. But let me just give you something here. From that tree, please don't eat from it. From when you eat from it, that day you will die. You could have put shelters on that. You could have put angels on that. Or never even had the tree after all. But again, they will not respond to God in love. They will not respond to God in faith. It wouldn't be this thing called trust because relationships are built on trust. Isn't a trust a foundation of relationship? If I can't trust you, I can't walk with you. You can't have a marriage when there is no trust. Or you have a long road 
to break the trust, it takes really quickly. To earn it, it takes a long time. You can re-earn, you can regain trust. But boy, many times, it takes a lot of effort to get there. And so they had to trust solely on God that he meant them well. He wasn't trying to make things hard for them. He meant to do them good. And it's the same choice we have to serve him. And God was waiting for Judas to turn his ways around. He said, man, if I could just love him enough, keeping on the table, just be patient with him. Maybe Judas will just use his will to decide, you know what, I'm done with this life. I'm done being a cheater. I'm done with this. I want, I want the fullness of God. I want the full plan of God in my life. Maybe something will happen. And God is so patient with us. Some people go through the same problems over and over again. They never change their lives. And here's the thing. God is so patient. He is so patient. Here's the problem. We don't have all the time in the world. I looked at, the other day, you know how you go on the computer and you start looking for something and then a picture shows up and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're looking different here. And you realize it's been a long time. You know, you look at your little kids, uh, the ones that used to be like Judah, I saw pictures of my kids, the older ones, and when there was only one, when there was only two, and you're like, what happened? It's just a blink of an eye, and you're like, one's about to pass mom up on height here. And what happened? Time, right? God's patient. God's merciful. God's gracious. But we don't have all the time. It says, we're not here forever. But you've had that before. It's the truth. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. It says it's appointed for man to die. Promise that sometimes we run out of time. Not that God took out time. We run out of time. It's like your tires. They can only go for so long. I was reminded very quickly on my little car. I need new tires when you started raining. And that's, that's what God does. So here's, here's the point I'm trying to make is this. God is patient with us. God loves us. He has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And all of us can do great things through God. I don't care what, I don't mind, it doesn't matter, let me put it right, what your history has been. How, what kind of, some people are given a maxed out credit card and it's like, go start life. You know, so it's harder for people. But God can even take what looks very, very bad where there's no impossibility and make something beautiful out of it. You know, in America, more than any other place in, in the world, like I think, I, I, don't quote me on this, but I think it was somewhere in the up of 80%, I don't remember the exact percentage, just I'm saying don't quote me on it, of millionaires in America are first time, are self-made. It wasn't inherited. About 80% of American millionaires. Now that's incredible. Because most people receive it through where it's passed on from other generations. But it shows in this country more than anything, anybody has the opportunity to make something of themselves. Or some of you don't believe that. I could take you where to where I'm from. And you might begin to thank God for what you have and start looking at things differently. 
and say, I was dealt the wrong card. No, you might have been dealt a wrong card. But I tell you, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. He could change your life beginning today. But your will and his will have to coincide. And when they don't match, faith comes. It's like, God, I trust you. Or how do I know it's his will? First of all, he's given us the basic instructions before leaving earth, right? So sometimes like, oh, well, you know, you see arguments go on. You don't have to get into arguments with anybody concerning any matter. It doesn't matter. If someone is bent on not trusting what the Bible says, you're never going to convince them unless God touches their heart. So why pick up the fight? Why waste your time? If you're going to invest any time, invest in prayer. You know what I mean? Our world will change. Values will change. Because it's, his word's going to be consistent. Some things in here are not very cool right now. Is that right? It's not unique to our time, people. It wasn't cool for the apostles. In fact, it was worse. They had worse. They had it worse than we have it. They had it worse than we have it. And we think it's all going to... I'm not going to use the word. I'm going to leave it for imagination. We have an advantage. So, so here's, here's how God, Satan you perfect, has perfected his work of making you feel that you are disadvantaged. If only people were more godly in America. If only people accepted the Bible. If only people were not so mean to Christians. If only people... Well, you might be right. But we have tremendous opportunities that these guys did not have. We have the numbers they didn't have. We have the freedoms they didn't have. We have the tools they didn't have. And yet they impacted their world more than we do. I believe it's time for the church to rise. Come on, I believe it's time for the church to rise. Oh, I'm going to say that again until see you. I believe it's time for the church to rise. Because this church is powerful. Jesus said that I'm building my church and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we need to get back to the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to do more, but I'm not going to do more because there's always next week, right? There's always right next week. Can I get an amen? This week you have a choice. You will be presented with many choices as you go into your life. God will give you, you'll have opportunities. But God will never, he'll never, he will always respect your will. I'm going to copy with this scripture. And you see from the Old Testament, okay, Deuteronomy 30. Actually, I have it up there. So you can look it up. Verse 14, as I end. It says, no, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips. It's in your heart so that you can obey it. Verse 15 says, now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I'm commanding you this day to 
Help me out, church. To what? It's up there. You can help me. But I'm commanding you today to do what? To love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments. Decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and to occupy. In the land you are about to enter and to occupy. I'm putting in front of you life and death. I'm still not going to take away your choice. But I'm going to let you choose life. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. In fact, he's commanding us to choose life. But if we choose death, it's still on us. I'm putting prosperity and disaster in front of me. And he says, here's what I'm commanding you is to love your God. Here's, <clears throat> here's why there's such a, sometimes we misapply scripture. Because we look at all the rules and the regulations and all the different things that God says, wow, you shouldn't do this. And so we misapply it in the sense that we're thinking that God is up there in heaven. Man, he did it again. Like, and he just wants us to have a horrible life, no fun at all. If you want to really love God, if you really want to be a true Christian, you have to be really mean. You have to be really boring. And you have to call out everybody that's doing everything wrong. And we take it upon ourselves, the responsibility. We're going to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. And God says, no, 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 no. If you love me, if you know how to love me, you will realize that all these rules are not really rules at all. It's actually God watching and taking care of us and uh, watching for, looking out for us. I like to think about it as a parent. As you're growing up, you know, as a, how many parents are in the house? Parents, you guys are awesome. And grandparents, you are super awesome. Here's the thing. Sometimes part of parenting is just to keep those kids alive. <laughs> and I, we, were in, we went to Denver and uh, we were in the mountains. And I was freaking out. My wife says, you're freaking out here. Because the kids were running, they are excited, and you're getting to cliffs, and I'm thinking, Be careful, guys! I'm yelling like a crazy man. It's like, hey! And you know, part of it, I actually, I think I overreacted a little bit, but guess what's inside of me? I don't want anybody to get hurt. Because I've been out there, I've seen people get hurt. And God's kind of like that to us. And all these things he's telling us, it's not like he's uh, mean, he doesn't want us to have a good life. Or, in fact, he wants us to have a very good life. He's looking out for us. I said, if you choose my way every single time, you'll see prosperity in your life. That's a guarantee. You'll see blessings in your life. And the kind of blessings that God blesses you, oh God, it gets passed on from generation to generation. Your family might have not passed it on to you, but you sure, if you're in Christ, can pass it on to others. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Did you receive something from God this week? Ah, oh, come. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. Pray with me, church. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence, God. 
Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love, O God. Father, you created us, not programmed us to be just like robots that are programmed to do exactly what you want us to do. But God, you created us in love and you put love inside of us. God, you gave us a will. You gave us an intellect to be able to discern and to be able to, to make choices. Thank you for this wonderful gift that you've given us. Help us, God, in our lives that we can choose you in spite of what's going on around us. That when you choose our, your ways, even when sometimes in the moment your ways might seem harder, but they always produce life. Father, I ask, that you will forgive us, Lord, when through our own weaknesses we've chosen <laughs> the other way. Thank you that your mercies are new even today. Thank you that you're God of new opportunities, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, ten chances, Lord. I pray that you will infuse in us the desire to please you, the desire to love you, the desire to respond to you in love. And make an impact in our city, in our families, in our homes, to the person next door. Let us be your light. Thank you for making us a part of your church. The 21st century, we were born by accident. You placed us in this city, in this time. We were born in this time of history to make a difference in this world, to be a witness for you. We just love you and honor you today, God, in the name of Jesus. Let's keep in that prayer. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to continue to pray.